Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. to truth social Boy, to voice his frustration was angry angry yeah, not angry about the, old man yeah no it was about a recent poll that asked no. voters about what he called his age and mentality the former president wrote in a phony probably rigged wall street journal poll coming out of nowhere to soften the mental incompetence blow that is so obvious with crooked joe biden they ask about my age and mentality where did that come from well a few I mean, years ago we could we could play you about a, I, uh, an hour worth of clips to show you where would it not came have from enough time show you trying to walk down the stage at west point I, I digress i continue a few years ago i was the only one to agree to a mental acuity dude test. you said horse cow woman pig camera or something and, and the, fact that you, the fact that you call that acing it shows just how wobbly things must be for you and then he added now that the globalists at fox oh. and the wall street journal have failed to push their third tier the candidate to success now. they do this well i hereby challenge rupert murdoch and sons biden wall street journal heads to acuity tests that wouldn't that would not work out well for Donald Trump on so many levels. Rev, I'm so glad. Wow. I'm so glad that, that, that this uh, Alex put this angry. Put this here because two things. First of all, I want you to talk about how unmoored uh, Donald Trump is, um, continues to be, and now calling Rupert Murdoch and Fox News globalists. Uh, but secondly, um, I, I went to all these links last night that said Joe Biden crazy as hell, looks like him howling at them. Joe Biden sleepy, Joe, Joe this, Joe that. Vietnam, you know, I figured he was going to be tired in Vietnam. That's not a shock. I said before he left, India, Vietnam, I'm not so sure. So I looked at it and, you know, at this point, they're just making s up they're just making stuff up you know he's tired and then he goes i go into bed I, it, it, again it's like now no matter what the guy does they're gonna have these screaming headlines saying that he's out of it and crazy when it's just the opposite and then you got <coughs> then, then, then you got yeah and welcome back to flyover politic podcast it is the 12th of september year of our lord 2023 
That is Trump at a Iowa-Iowa State game being swamped, and then the Morning Joe deciding to say that it's actually Trump that's senile, not Biden. So there's two ways I want to... Well, I'm, I'm just going to go with way one, and then we got a way better soundbite that I saved. This is Biden in Vietnam. It is easy, isn't it? It's around the world in five days. It's interesting. Well, uh, you know, there's that one of my staff members said, remember the famous song, you know, Good Morning Vietnam? Well, good evening, Vietnam. Uh, and uh, good morning. For, and uh, let's see. I'm just following my orders here. Uh, staff, is anybody haven't spoken? I ain't calling on you. I'm calling on you. I said they have five questions. Anita, be away. front to rear. Good evening, Vietnam. I'll just follow my orders. Are you worried about your son being indicted, Mr. President? Biden, walk away. Price are up 16.9% and real wages are down 2.6 since Biden took office. Interest rates are up 22-year high. Credit card debt passed $1 trillion. Biden economics are not working. That is way one. Way two is him literally lying, and we'll be getting to 9-11 in a second, but this is completely a lie, but I don't think he knows that it's a lie. To renew our sacred vow, never forget, never forget, we never forget. Each of us, each of those precious lives stolen too soon when evil attacked. Ground Zero in New York. And I remember standing there the next day and looking at the building. I felt like I was looking through the gates of hell. It looked so devastating because the way you could, from where you could stand. First of all, he's in fucking Alaska. All right. But that's completely a lie. That's 100% a lie. But he, like I said, I don't think he knows. Before we get into 9-11, I have to play this. This is classic Democrat. I mean, they are just so fucking hypocritical. Neither Democrats arguing on a show by Crystal Ball, who's part of the cabal that saved democracy bullshit, and they actually use the phrase 
Biden derangement syndrome. Your your framing of the student debt issue is accurate. Yes, is precisely what the problem is. That's, it's not a problem. Look, I I am actually discussing the facts that I learned through reading a thousand articles on the case. Now, if I bring up those facts and it triggers some idiots into hating me, so be it. They can hate me all they want. What the facts, facts still matter. What are you talking about? Okay, are you I didn't expect him to appeal the cases. He appealed the cases. I didn't expect him to do the Higher Education Act after the Supreme Court slapped it down. He did the Higher Education Act. I, I didn't expect him to do any of it, and he did it. And this is something that but if I said early on, Biden's going to do nothing on student loan debt, everybody on the left would have been like, you're right, he's going to do nothing. Now he does five, six different things on it. And it's like people go, no, 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 doesn't count, doesn't count. I'm not saying what he's doing is perfect. Obviously, the best thing to do is to wipe it all out through executive order. And he has the authority to do that. That'd be the best thing to do. He didn't do that. But can we at least acknowledge the facts of what went down? And I see this rugged insistent. Honestly, it's like Biden derangement syndrome among some people on the left. And it's like Democrat derangement syndrome among some people on the left. The fact that we can't all agree very quickly that, well, obviously, Democrats are not 10 times better than Republicans. They're 100 times better than Republicans. And even if you are somebody who's a purist and you're on the left, you can acknowledge a W in the instances you get it while still pushing for more. I mean, a perfect example is what's happening in Minnesota right now. Minnesota has a one-seat Democrat majority. We got universal free school meals, legal weed, carbon-free electricity by 2040, tax rebates for the working class up to $1,300 if you make under $150,000 a year, 12 weeks paid family leave, 12 weeks paid sick leave. They banned conversion therapy. They did red flag laws for guns. They did universal background checks for guns. They did automatic voter registration, public free college if you make under 80K, a ban on PFAs, which is the forever chemicals, $2.2 billion increase in K-12 school funding, sectoral bargaining, bargaining for nursing home workers. These things are all not little wins. They are huge wins. And I still see this insistence like we're back in 2016 or something where people are like, nope, Democrats and Republicans are either equally bad or actually jujitsu move, Republicans are the lesser evil. And I think it's idiotic. It's doomerist. It's nihilist. It's people who are refusing to acknowledge reality and they'd rather narrative hump all day talking about Democrats are so bad, Democrats are so bad, Democrats are so bad, but oh yeah, I'm a leftist. Yeah, that's... um. That's comedic um, and cultish all at the same time. We got comedic and cultish because we're all up in Biden is the greatest thing because, you know, Trump, we're going to run him because we don't have a choice. But we need a choice. This is why he went to Alaska as explained to Peter Ducey, and then the nightly news completely ignoring the fact that he lied about his whereabouts on 9-11. He was not a ground zero. And all the other things that he just lies about, that his son died in Iraq, and man, just a bunch of shit. Well, uh, our focus the last couple of days has been on President Biden here in South Asia. And when I asked a White House official why it is that President Biden was here and missing the 9-11 uh, commemorations at the attack sites, the analogy that I was given is that 22 years after Pearl Harbor, U.S. presidents were not still going to visit Hawaii. 
Americans are marking 22 years since the September 11th attacks that killed nearly 3,000 people and forever changed our country and the world. President Biden took part in a memorial ceremony with troops and their families at a military base in Alaska while on his way home from the G20 summit. CBS's Nancy Cordes is at the White House on this Day of Remembrance. The president, returning from Asia, marked this solemn day alongside service members in Anchorage, Alaska. Each of those precious lives stolen too soon when evil attacked. It is rare for a U.S. president to spend 9-11 far from the three crash sites. In his stead, the first lady took part in a wreath-laying ceremony at the Pentagon, and the vice president paid tribute at Ground Zero in Manhattan where nearly 3,000 people lost their lives on that crisp September day in 2001. Once again, a solemn day of remembrance. Bells tolling at 8.46 and 9.03, the moment when terrorists attacked the World Trade Center 22 years ago. Alvin Peter Kappelman Jr. Then the emotional reading of nearly 3,000 names of those who died that day. And my poppy, Gerard Patrick Frank, firefighter from Rescue Company 3. I miss you and love you. I wish we, you got to take me fishing. We love you, Poppy. In attendance, Vice President Kamala Harris, but President Biden under criticism from conservative outlets for being the first president not to be at the White House or a memorial site on the anniversary. Instead, he was visiting troops in Alaska. I join you on this solemn day to renew our sacred vow. Never Unbelievable what Democrats can get away with. It just It's actually shocking at times. So, 2-9-11, a brief section, just because it's a huge thing for people like me whose lives were completely altered, my family's life was altered. I'm part of the point zero zero four fifths, four and a half tenths of percent that fought and actually believe everything the way it ended up was pretty fucked up. Um, two new 9-11 victims identified the first identification in two years, which is surprise, surprising. For a new generation of Marines, and I didn't even think about this till I saw this, most of these kids, it's history. They, they weren't alive. If you're serving now, you just... You weren't alive for it. Which is kind of weird when you think about it. To the president. As President Biden has continued a tradition of embellishing his personal tales in a way that cannot be verified or directly refuted by contemporaneous accounts, Glenn Kessler breaks them down. Biden, never great. Ground Zero, New York. I remember staying there the next day. Felt like I was looking through the gates of hell. Joe Biden was not at Ground Zero on September 11th. On September 11, 2001, Joe Biden was in Washington, D.C., debating and voting for a Senate resolution to condemn the attacks at World Trade Center. This man is actually Forrest Gump, but he wants you to think he is. He isn't Forrest Gump. They even have a video. I'm not going to play it. He really lied about how his own son died for political gain. Lying about something like this is a layup, after all. And it's true. Um... My mouse froze up. I mean, the, the fact is, he gets away with 
everything. And, and I want to show this picture because it's it's just astounding what has happened to this guy. Look at this picture. Well, let me get a better version of it. That's not a very good version. Let's just go ahead and uh, clip it. This is Joe Biden 22 years ago. He looks almost healthy. But I mean, we talk about senility. We talk about what can get a you know what a Democrat can get away from, with. There's no, there's no fact checking any of that. They they never do it. Here's Google on September 11th. Actually, nothing. Because they went with Biden. Uh, nobody ever went there. Nobody has ever you know presidents don't do this shit. Yet. Let me do this. I'm going to move this forward because um, if I can, save as slides. Um, That's um, JFK at Pearl Harbor. So people, presidents did. So everything in that's a lie. This man's name is Rick Resorkala. 22 22 years ago today, Rick disobeyed order and saved 2,700 lives. Rick was the head of security for Morgan Stanley in the South Tower of the World Trade Center. He warned the tower basements were vulnerable to attack. His warning... Let me blow this up so I can read it. Fell on deaf ears. Then 1993 attack happened and people started listening to him. After the attack, Rick implemented regular evacuation drills using his megaphone to direct the thousands of employees out of their offices. Born in Cornwall, Rick would sing Welsh and Cornish songs from his megaphone as he directed the employees out of the building. It would routinely tell all the employees in an emergency, no matter what chaos is happening around you, no matter what anyone tells you, leave your office, go down the stairwell and leave the building. Rick told his wife, Susan, that he suspected another attack on the World Trade Center. What happened? And 22 years ago, gay on September 11th, that attack happened. When the first plane hit the North Tower, Porter Ford announced, please do not leave the building. Rick ignored them. Dunn's sons of bitches told me not to evacuate, he said of his best friend, Dan. He said, it's just building one. I told them I'm getting my people the fuck out of here. And so Rick picked up his megaphone, as he'd done so many times before, told his employees not to listen to the orders and directed them out the building. His Cornish songs helped keep their nerves calm as they evacuated, even as the second plane hit their tower. Once he had successfully evacuated his employee, Rick went back in to look for a survivor. But first he called his wife, Susan. Stop crying. I have to get these people out safely. If something should happen to me, I want you to know I've never been happier. You made my life. Ruck, Rick rushed back in the South Tower. Nobody saw him again. All but six of the more than 2,700 Morgan Stanley employees survived. Had they obeyed the Port Authority, 
they all would have died, and that guy's a hero, and I never even heard of him till yesterday. But Biden is just a lefty. He's like everybody else. Um, I don't know if this is going to be readable. Nah, it's not going to be readable. This is S.V. Dale, Huffpo, Senior White House Journal. 22 years ago this morning, a foreign terrorist murdered nearly 3,000 Americans, but he could not come close to ending or even hurting our democracy. That attack arrived 19 years, three months, and 26 days later at the hands of Erat's American. Osama bin Laden, after all, had never taken the oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Our 45th president had. Ironically, the locus of his assault was the same building that was saved by the bravery of passengers on United 93. Osama bin Biden. Another lefty. If you don't grieve for 9-11 and 1-6, you aren't a patriot. I could, I could cover a thousand of these because they've, they've moved on. But what's even worse is that while we're not celebrating... On Monday, President Joe Biden will mark the 22nd anniversary of September 11th. In Alaska, the president will be returning from his overseas trip to, from India to the G20 summit. First visit to Vietnam since taking office. He's set to speak in front of 1,000 first responders. Vice President Camilla Harris will instead be dispatched to the National September 11th Memorial and Museum in Lower Manhattan to honor the lives lost in the deadliest terror attack in U.S. history. Secretary of Homeland Security Marcus, Ambassador Ewan Linda Thomas-Greenfield will join the Vice President of New York. Elsewhere, the First Lady will visit 9-11. La, la, la. Simultaneously, the State Department... Sorry, my new medicine just makes me have cotton mouth, something terrible. We welcome this weekend's announcement by Saudi Arabia committing $20 billion to support President Biden's signature initiative, the Partnership for Global Infrastructure. Simultaneously, Washington, U.S. makes deal with Iran to swap prisoners and release $6 billion in Iranian funds. For the record, did I get this? Iranian president says, we'll spend the money on what the fuck we want to. So for those that just don't get it, Iran was part of 9-11. They helped facilitate it. Iran facilitated all the EFPs the very high-charge, shape charges that killed thousands of Americans. And Democrats, Obama specifically, who is really running their country now, it's, it's more and more obvious, this Iran shit, they just love Iran. They think somehow we give them a bunch of money, they're going to become a good country. They are the biggest financer of terrorism in the world. So on 9-11... People that hit our country on 9-11, we give them $6 billion so they can plan the next 9-11. This is DraftKings. Never forget 9-11. Bet on football. 
This is Keith Oberman going back to what he likes. For 22 years, a man who's negligent and intelligent laziness contributed to it happening and whose malfeasance turned the tragedy in the morning into our disaster in Iraq has gotten credit for this. It's mind-boggling and pathetic. Jake Williams. I know it's football season right now, but there may never be a greater sports moment than when George Bush threw out the pitch in Yankee Stadium. Little Brown Dog. So many forget the importance of this event, yet it was just a baseball game. But it was the first event after 9-11 in New York. The game showed the world, don't mess with us. Annie Wasserface. What's her face? This tweet says so much about you. For one, it shows how out of touch you are with your political opposition to think that we'd run to the defense of George W. frickin' Bush and the irreverence you displayed on such a tragic day for Americans because you think the wrong because you think the wrong political party has gotten credit it's disgusting another bathtub boy using 9-11 for political attacks stay classy Keith the falling man Richard Drew I won't even put that picture up because it makes me want to cry another Dude was an officer less than nine months. Nearly every step for planning and staging were done under Clinton under a system that had tons of blind spots that were in place before Bush got there. Who let bin Laden slide after the 93 attack? Mm, good question. So agree, Effley's throw is right across home plate. Proud moment. Such a sweet, extremely sweet moment, and what had always been such a tragic time. And then I don't want us to forget this day because nobody got fired nobody got in trouble for this Chris Stevens, Sean Smith, Ty Woods, Glenn Dotery let's not forget those four Americans who died in Benghazi whose country would even fly their fucking dead bodies out and left them we left them to die and rot Hmm. for me it is such a fucked up day because my life was altered I wasn't home for four years my son was irrevocably changed my daughter irrevocably changed my wife irregularly changed And we just handed it all back to the guys that I fought. Just handed the whole shit show back. And it's just hard to believe that even now, most Americans just don't get it. They just don't because they didn't have to sacrifice. We don't do that anymore. We, We just don't do it. We don't sacrifice shit. We all just live our own lives. So... Let's get into subjects. We're going to go into COVID first and foremost. Uh, Once again, uh, Sir COVID man who made his bones and supposedly the media told us he got elected for this was all over Washington touring, but uh, he wasn't wearing his mask. Enters wearing a mask, removes mask, close contact. Absolutely zero logic to why when he's wearing a mask and when he's not. We're just not going to talk about it. Another one, this one's classic. This is uh, CDC director. 
And if I showed you all the pictures, if we blow it up, you could pretty much see it. Let's just do that. See that? Yeah, everybody has a mask, except for Mitt Romney. And somebody asked, why did you want to kill Jim Mitt Romney? Because that's what you guys said. If we didn't wear masks, we're killing somebody. We're fucking murderers. Same party that says it's fucking homophobic to make tr- uh, gay people report they have HIV. So the media, because we have 2024 coming up, and it's time to get back into lockdown so that they can cheat on the next election like they did in 2020. Um, they had Fauci out. And surprisingly, not surprisingly, Chuck Todd had the guy they really want, Newsom, to run for president. And uh, yeah, COVID's back. And, and I want to ask you about this current uptick. I mean, anecdotally, I think all of us either uh, have, have, have had COVID again or know somebody who has, has had COVID again. Uh, how concerned are you? What's your level of alarm about the current situation? Well, you know, John, I wouldn't say that I'm alarmed, but I'm certainly keeping an eye on it. There's no doubt, as you know and reported just a, a moment ago, we're having an uptick in cases which is being a reflected by an uptick about 17 or more percent in hospitalizations. There's no doubt that that is going on. And since we're now at the end of the summer, it is likely that that will increase as we get into the fall and the winter. So we need to be prepared for it. I don't think at all, though, again, you always have to keep yourself with an open mind with this virus. It's fooled us before. But given the level of immunity, that we all have that you just mentioned. In other words, people who've been vaccinated, boosted, people who've been infected like you and I, where we have hybrid immunity, the chances of this being an overwhelming rush of cases and hospitalizations is probably low. So what's your sense? Obviously those that are in high risk categories, but who, who should be taking that booster? You know, John, I don't want to get ahead of the ACIP and their recommendation. My own personal feeling is that I believe certainly those who are vulnerable, the elderly and those with underlying condition. But I believe we should give the choice to people who are not in the high risk groups to have the vaccine available for them. Because, again, we have experience with this type of vaccine in billions of people. It's a safe vaccine. Of course, with the mRNA, there's a very, very, very low risk, particularly in young men, of getting a myocarditis. But if you look at the risk of myocarditis from COVID itself is greater than the risk of the vaccine. Well, what is your sense, looking back at all this? Uh, did masks prove to be less effective than you anticipated? You know, John, if you, some of the studies that are confusing, the study that recently has been now quoted a lot and causing a lot of confusion is this Cochrane study, which even the people who run the Cochrane studies say that that study can be misleading because people have commented on that study saying absolutely masks don't work, which is absolutely not the case because there are a number of studies that show that masks actually do work. And there's a lot of confusion when you take a broad uh, a series of studies and you look at them in a meta-analysis, only a couple of those studies were specifically looking at COVID. So I think we better be careful that that study that people keep talking about can be very, very misleading. There's a lot of good data that masks work.
You've also said we're not going to go back to the time of federal mask mandates. That's that's a thing of the past. No, I don't see that in the future at all. I mean, I can see that if we get a significant uptick in during COVID, um, you you were pretty strict with the lockdowns here, and uh, there was an interesting piece in Harper's that sort of was critical of your decisions from this perspective. You found a way to allow the motion picture industry and, Southern, and, the, and the sort of the movie industry to get back to work. But you didn't allow people to grieve together at funerals or at churches. And that it sort of, and that this may be why there's such a polarized disconnect. What, what you prioritize, right, this is this anger between the populace and the elite, supposedly. Here you prioritize this industry, but, you, you know, you were tougher on those that just wanted to go worship. Um, a, what do you say to that, Chris? I think there's a lot of humility, and we didn't know what we didn't know, and it was hardly I. Uh, it was we, collectively. I and I think all of us, in, in terms of our collective wisdom, we've evolved. We didn't know what we didn't know. We're experts in hindsight. We're all geniuses But think about what, we pri- what, you pri- what you ended up collectively prioritizing. You're prioritizing yeah. industry, you know, well, in one, and, and one specific one, but then didn't prioritize maybe ones that whose maybe values you didn't connect with. I don't think it's a binary. There was iterations within that theme. It was just a matter of time. We got to rig an election. You can't win it outright. I mean, let's be honest. Can't do that. Then we got uh, immigration. Here's a... Sorry, I got a booger hanging out of my nose. You probably don't want to see that. Here's Bill Magoon. Pretty much summing it up. From an awareness perspective, Texas busing migrants sanctuary cities have been incredibly effective. None of these cities expressed concern about the border prior to now. And the list that he has is way longer than I clipped. New York City mayor, city will be destroyed. Chicago begging federal help. Massachusetts National Guard. L.A. threatening to sue government. All while the White House claims that their policies are stopping the flow. Except for CBP releasing the August numbers, they're going to be the highest in 2023. Roughly 91,000 migrants who crossed together as families exceeded the 84,000 such crossings recorded in May 2019. The View said. They need to be housed somewhere else. The city we knew, we're about to lose. A little dramatic, isn't it? Seems a bit dramatic. He's got a flair for drama. Yeah, but he has been critical of the Biden administration for months. He doesn't get support (laughs) from the government, he's saying. And the Republicans love this, you know, because this is right up their alley for Mm -hmm. somebody like a a New York sanctuary city to be complaining about migrant problem, migrant problems. So Uh, war-torn countries and politically torn countries, and they're looking for refuge. And I thought this country, with its big, you know, statute of liberty, give me your your week and, and all of this, is supposed to be the country that accepts people. Yes. And um, I'm disappointed in Mayor Adams. My understanding of the Republican Party and the conservative movement is all about states' rights and states. So all of a sudden they want help from the federal government. 
How come? Well, I wouldn't really frame it that way. I'd say this. I think that New York is finally getting a small taste of what border states have dealt with for decades. And this is this is a Biden problem right now because he's the president. This was an issue under Trump. It's been an issue for 25 plus years. We've not had right. major immigration reform in this country in decades. Fentanyl comes across the border that's killing tens of millions of Americans. This is something that's that... different, though. Don't, don't, I don't think you should put those together. I, well, I think so, because they, we have they, a porous they, border where you can get in through many parts of, you know, thousands yeah, but, of miles but, but, of unsecured it's, it's border. Sort of, it's sort of a demon as migrants who are coming here. Well, no, the, the vast majority of fentanyl that gets in this country comes through the southern border. It's not but frankly, you know, I think we need to find, and, and we've dealt with this before. I, I lived in, uh, in Miami. I was a migrant, an immigrant in Miami in the 80s. You'll remember when we had the Marielle boat lift. Yes. 125,000 Cubans yeah. came in a matter of six months. It puts tremendous stress on, on, on a city, on a community, on the social services. They need to be resettled elsewhere. They need, right? to, they need to be out. With this it, it, it's classic, man. This is just classic. John Hayward had a good tweet thread on this. Every single excuse left gave to blow off concerns about mass illegal immigration class in the heat of the dust as soon as the border state governor started shipping them to them. It's an absolute disgrace that it took this brute force tactic to get lefties to pay the high, slightest bit of attention to border security. As long as the other Americans were suffering, they couldn't give less than a damn. It was just a big virtue signaling propaganda game. What does it tell you about the moral imp imp imagination of the left? that they had nothing but snark and swarmy slogans to offer until the day border states began calling their sanctuary city bluff and shipping 1% of the tidal wave towards them. Nothing the hapless boobs like Adams are saying is new. He's just being forced to discover what border state mayors and governors have known for decades. He just didn't give a rat's ass until problem was physically FedExed to his doorsteps. What's that you say? Tidal wave of unvetted illegals, but incredible stress on your social welfare systems, cause crime to skyrocket, push wages down, consume resources you need for other important projects. What a shocker. Tell us more. There isn't a man or woman on the left who cared one whit about the suffering of border states deplorables until the border was moved to their backyard and they suddenly scove all their glib slogans counted for nothing. And now, of course, the Dem Party will address the problem being picking everyone else's pocket to shovel extra resources at a beleaguered blue city while continuing to resolutely ignore border security. The American people should not accept this solution. The only acceptable response is to tighten physical border security. Yes, we need a wall, something more concrete than the vague promises of corrupt politicians and shut off their magnets that draw massive numbers of migrants. We're finally forcing blue states to understand the immigration crisis. The last step is to make them understand that it's a national problem that requires a solution. They're never going to see it because they live in a world where everything is bumper stickers. Just bumper stickers. Everything looks great in a Bumper sticker. Trying to find where I put it. I bookmarked a couple things. Let me see where it is. 
Hold one. That's not it. That's not it. Vids. There it is. Hold one. Hold one. Hold. I started late today because I uh, watched Bravehearts. Hearts. I don't know why I pluralize it. I never thought of this until I read some of these articles. And then I went, holy shit, Batman. They got a major problem. And you know what that problem is? This is their problem. Damn it. 20. The conservative fertility advantage. These are articles. This is IFS penned in 2020. ABC. The political fertility gap. Liberals, it is said, have a baby problem. They don't have enough of them compared to conservatives, and this failure to replenish their ranks is a reason why they lose Election. This was in 2006. From the Atlantic. I'm going to get to a point in two seconds here. A world without children. A generation facing an intractable problem. Debate whether to bring a new generation into the world. And then this is London, but we've all seen this all over the place. The push to have kids vote as as young as 16. Because there is some data saying that um, they're not, kids aren't, literally turning over to conservative as much as they used to as they get older. I've always known, because I'm not a moron, that this whole border thing was for at least a good six-year or two-presidential cycle voting scheme. You know, you get these people in, you give them citizenship, or you do the, well, they can vote in local elections, which means you're going to let them vote anywhere. And you win. You have a huge landslide, a bunch of extra voters. But the reality is they're doing it because they don't have people having kids. If it's not climate change and the whole world's going to die, it's trans where they're sterilizing their base so they can't reproduce so how do they get voters you import them we can replace them that was the same time it's all making sense they're doing this because they don't have voters 
as the lefties die off, the young kids that they brainwashed aren't reproducing. They don't. They get married at a way lower rate than conservatives. They have kids lower rate or later than conservatives. Or they're sterilizing themselves so they just can't have kids. Or they're afraid to bring kids in the world. Pick one. So immigration's really, really important for the left. Here's uh, Rob Reiner. Hard reality for our democracy to survive. Two things have to happen. Donald Trump needs to be convicted for January 6th, and there could be no third-party candidate. Somebody's reply, in order to keep our democracy, people can only vote from a pool of one candidate that I tell you to do. Waji Ali. Ask again. Again, I ask, what is the woke mind virus? Can someone just define it? Here's some replies. The reason why so many extremely woke people turn out to have been bigoted in the past is because bigotry used to be the best way to bully and intimidate people. But now, performative anti-bigotry is the best way to bully and intimidate people, an evolving tool set for psychopaths. So fucking clue. True. Next one. The surest way to work up a crusade in favor of some good cause is to promise people they will have a chance at maltreating someone, to be able to destroy with good conscience, to be able to behave badly and call your bad behavior, righteous indignation. This is the height of psychological luxury, the most delicious of moral tweets, and that is the woke mind virus. We've talked about it on the show forever. These are people that didn't have a whole lot of friends growing up. They were a little different. And then the internet came and they became power brokers. I can silence you. I can shut you off. I could be mean. And so it starts on the internet, and then they get hired on an MSNBC. Christianity brought to America the justify slavery and genocide. Yes, uh, Christians are a bad one. And MSNBC warns 2024 may be the last election we can acknowledge because we're bringing back COVID, and now we're doing the we're gonna do that. We have to do this for democracy. Stuart. Everything Basil just said, how do we get people? How do these foundations get this to break through so people understand it, they realize it? Yeah, listen, I think this is why it was so important that in the last election, the president went out and talked about democracy. Um, Really, that is what the 24 race is about. Democracy is on the ballot. And I say this, and it sounds alarmist, but I know these people, and it's true. If Donald Trump or a Donald Trump wannabe like DeSantis is elected president, it will be the last election that we can recognize as an American election. So we should listen to what they're saying. And you know, the, the difficulty with the unimaginable is that it's hard to imagine. And that's when democracy slide into autocracy. That's why I wrote this book. It's what the people who believe in democracy have a difficulty imagining that it will end. And the autocrats take advantage of that. And they use the 
the powers of uh, the freedoms are afforded in a democracy to help in? Well, I should say that this is something actually fairly new to me, right? So I have a PhD in religion, I studied a lot of uh, American religious history, and this idea of the doctrine of discovery was fairly new. So what it is, is it's a set of 15th century Christian doctrines that were designed to answer the problem of what do we do with all these people we've just encountered in these lands that we didn't know about, right, in the 1400s. And so who do they, who do the uh, Christian princes uh, and queens and kings appeal to but the head of the Christian church? And this is, I should say, um, it is a Catholic doctrine, but this is before the Catholic Protestant split. So it is a Christian doctrine of right. all of Western Europe uh, uh, here. And so they appeal to uh, the religious authority, the Pope, and um, they get a decision about what their responsibilities are. And it basically runs like this. It says, uh, the defining uh, characteristic is whether or not these people are Christian or not. Uh, if they are not Christian and if they are not already subjugated by a Christian uh, power, then they essentially have no human rights. And that it goes on to explicitly spell out that they have the right to occupy, conquer, kill, steal their goods. And then this phrase like, uh, is like literally in the document, you know, something is still ringing in my head, and to reduce their persons to perpetual slavery. Right. This is in the document from the highest power of the Christian church uh, in, in the late uh, 1400s. And so this is what gives license in their minds to European colonizers to try to enslave indigenous people, to wipe them out if they resist in any way, and to enslave Africans. That's how they do it and still yeah. in their minds advance the interests of Christianity. Uh, that's exactly right. And it's worth remembering, this is the version of Christianity that lands on these shores and then, in fact, motivates the landing um, on these shores. And I think one of the things I've become really convinced of and one of the reasons why I kept the heart of this new book is that this idea... That those people can be on TV just shows you <clears throat> what our media is about. Every day it is vitrolic violent rhetoric like that. It's just fucking horrible. Okay, I didn't TikTok. I just I just was like, oh God, I gotta go eat something. With the new medicine, I'm gonna sleep in better, I have less nausea, but when I get hungry, it isn't good. So I, I gotta eat a snack, which I'm doing now. So this is one I found on my own. I was looking and uh, on Twitter or X or whatever you call it right now. And you probably haven't heard this unless you're on Twitter. Between stops, Granholm, who was on a charge electric car tour. Remember, she has stock and electric car batteries, and now she's doing this tour to show how great electric cars are. Between stops, Grand Home Entourage at times had to grapple the limitation of the present, like when her caravan of EVs, including a luxury Cadillac Lyric and a hefty Ford F-150 had an affordable Bolt electric utility vehicle, was planning to fast charge in Grovetown, a suburb of Augusta, Georgia. Her advance team realized there weren't going to be enough plugs to go around. One of the station's four chargers was broken and the others were occupied. So an energy department staffer tried to parking a non-electric vehicle by one of those working chargers to reserve a spot 
spot for the approach of the Secretary of Energy. They did not go down well. A regular gas-powered car blocking the only free spot for a charger. In fact, the family that was boxed out on a sweltering day with a baby in the vehicle was so upset they decided to get the authorities involved. They called the police. Sheriff's Office couldn't do anything. It's not illegal for non-EV to claim a charging spot in Georgia. Energy Department staff scrambled to smooth over the situation, including sending other vehicles to slower chargers until both the frustrated family and the secretary had room to charge. Tell me. That wouldn't be front page news if it was a Republican. Not even covered. This is just one instance of the citizen to be treated as second class to the political class. Just think of how many times this kind of thing has happened and wasn't reported on. White females with short haircuts with part ways the hell over on one side of the heads and sunglasses that be kind of like a plague of locusts in the USA, a black person says. Hmm. This, while this comes down, sharp rise in poverty. Anybody surprised? And then a lefty organization who gets money from the from the federal government, 30 million in government grants in 2021. They just got arrested for storming Speaker McCarthy because they wanted more money. And of course, this wasn't national news either. that the third, fourth, fifth, sixth time we've had an insurrection and it's okay? Because they're lefties? Very interesting. Which brings us into another shocking soundbite that, um, you know, not shocking. You wonder why conservatives push back so hard on abortion, guns, and things like that, and trannies, and school because the left doesn't believe in the Constitution. They believe they're better than the Constitution. They believe that document's a piece of shit written by a bunch of racist fucking slaveholders. And then when it's the only way they can protect their position, they use it all the time, like the 14th Amendment. It's been used for 10,000 things that it wasn't entailed for, but the left's always into that. Here is New Mexico's governor believing that she had a health emergency and she can suspend 2A.
examples you cited are crimes. Kids shooting at other kids, shooting from cars. So what's the value of the civil order? Why not just do better law enforcement? Both. The value of the order is, is that I'm, I, it gives me three things. One, it says it's a statewide issue and it's a message to everyone to start leveraging your resources and arresting people. Two, the jurisdictions come at this, including with the DOJ restrictions, differently without the leveraging and the additional resources, arresting, and where do they go? We've got to make sure that everyone is bumping up their services. It's a message to the uh, Metropolitan Detention Center. It's a message to the HMOs. You better figure out treatment. We have been sort of stalled out to your point. This order basically says stop stalling out, and to your point, just arrest everyone. Well. I also have to have the ability, I can't arrest everyone. There are literally too many people to arrest. Well, this would allow us, huh? If someone's got a concealed carry permit in Albuquerque walking down a public street, they're not gonna get arrested. I can make the point that they, maybe they should be. And this is the point. I, I, I'm willing to do anything and everything within a shred of evidence-based effort because if you're not horrified that on any street corner in too many cities in New Mexico, there is someone with a gun sticking out of their waist or their belt. And I'll tell you, if you're, if you're a young person, you're not allowed to have a handgun. Well, it's a crime already. I got it. But we won't be able to arrest all of them. So imagine, just in, 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 a, in a perfect world, if this was upheld, it gives all of these police officers the ability to focus on the real criminals. Last follow-up. Yeah. You took but oath. your point is valid. You took an oath to the Constitution. Isn't it unconstitutional to say you cannot exercise your, your carry license? With one exception, and that is if there's an emergency, and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. In this emergency, this 11-year-old and all these parents who have lost all these children, they deserve my attention to have the debate about whether or not in an emergency we can create a safer environment. Because what about their constitutional rights? I took an oath to uphold those two. And if we ignore this growing problem without being bold, I've said to every other New Mexican, your rights are subrogated to theirs. And they are not, in my view. Uh, wait a minute, okay. you're talking about crimes. There are already laws against the crimes, so how are their rights I got it. But, but again, if I'm unsafe, who's standing up for that right? If this climate is so out of control, somebody should do something. I'm doing as much as I know to do. Madam yep. do you really think that criminals are gonna hear this message and not carry a gun in Albuquerque on the streets for 30 days? Uh, no, but here's what I do think. It's a pretty resounding message New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham says she is suspending open and concealed carry privileges in Albuquerque for the next 30 days. 
public health emergency Thursday following the murder of an 11-year-old boy on his way home from an ice-top game Wednesday night. The case, combined with several other violent cases involved children, sparked the decision. The new public health order is effective from Friday, September 8th. After 30 days, we'll evaluate whether they should renew it. Replies are off the back. You, you can't do that. AP. Breaking New Mexico governor issues an emergency public health order that suspends the open and permitted concealed carry of firearms of Albuquerque for 30 days in the midst of a spate of violence. The governor says she doesn't expect criminals to follow the order, but she hopes it is a resounding message to everyone else in the community to report gun crime. The point here is that if everyone did it and I wasn't really challenged, you would have fewer risk on the street. Huh? I'm illegally spend, suspending constitutional right. No one I won't be listened to, but hoping this empty gesture sends a message. It's definitely sending a message. A politician fighting crime by not expecting criminals to obey. If that isn't the epitome of where some politicians are, I don't know why. Her duty to uphold her oath, the Constitution, is not absolute. The president's absurd and dangerous emergency declaration is a bald-faced end run around the Congress and the basic tenets of our national system of governance. New Mexico will not stand for this, and we will sue President Trump over his overarching and inappropriate action. 2019, 2023, today I'm doing 30-day ban. Same person, same. So in rebuttal of it, Minneapolis law enforcement source tell me officers in the 4th Precinct are being encouraged to patrol Scandade, the lady who was carjacked, are being encouraged to patrol her neighborhood when not responding to calls. Now she wants extra police presence. She can eat the largest bag of dicks ever, a source said. (laughs) So in rebuttal to that, here's an article about a kid who shot an intruder and then mocked him after he shot him. And a... uh, Police chief in Albuquerque talking shit about the governor. I told him I was going to kill him all that with a gun if he didn't get out of my house. 11-year-old Chris Gaither was home alone Wednesday morning when he heard a noise. Someone had broken into his house. Scared, Chris grabbed a 9mm handgun. When he was coming downstairs and told me he was going to kill me and F you all that. The intruder made it out the front door with a hamper in hand. That's when Chris started firing off bullets. As the intruder was to jump this fence, Chris's 12th and final shot hit the bad guy in the leg. I shot through a hamper that he was carrying, and it, went, it was a full metal jacket bullet. It went straight through the bag and hit him in his leg. And he started crying like a little baby. A baby that learned his lesson. When I pulled the gun out on him, I guess he didn't think it was a real gun because he, he didn't worry about it. He just kept on walking. The police have not released the name of the suspect, but Chris's mother says this man has robbed their house before. They don't know him personally. Chris credits his stepdad for his shooting skills. Yeah, play zombies for target practice. Turns out there's more than a basset hound on guard. I hope you learned a lesson from coming to this house trying to steal stuff. Intel. We don't agree on this at all. Uh, this is unconstitutional, and like I said, I uphold my whole serious, my oath seriously. As far as meaning for Albuquerque specifically, I am putting everybody else, including every other politician and everybody else as a leader within a law enforcement entity to jump on board and work as a team. 
Uh, I said this last week. There was an article, and I wish this gentleman would, would email me. He says the mayor, the sheriff, the AGs, the chief, they all have their own separate press conferences. I read all these editorials. What are they going to do together? And that's why in the press conference when I was with the governor the other day, I said, we are all here. Bernalillo County is a problem. State of New Mexico is a problem with firearms. What do we do to stop the infiltration that are being used for violence and firearms? What can it do for Albuquerque? Show that there's a collaborative effort to stop the gun violence. That's all that we can do. Like I said, there's not a magic wand. There's not one solution. There's a myriad of solutions, and I can't be the only one coming up with them. That's why we have to work together as a team. Hopefully I answered your question. Thank you. Sheriff, what do you tell the people who are afraid now they might be able, not be able to defend themselves having their concealed carry when, you know, you guys show up after it's already happened? So talk about that. Um, that's a quick answer. We're not enforcing it. This order... Sheriff, you mentioned you're going to be calling for a special session with the governor, and I understand this news just broke Friday afternoon. It's Monday morning. Have you heard back from the governor yet? And once your statements have been released, what you would like to see be done? Have you conversed with her at all lately after uh, this announcement? No, I have not. Uh, a lot of people ask me how I feel. I mean, um, shocked and irritated is all I had for the weekend. Um, I have to turn in my irritation and my anger into solutions. Uh, that's something I have to look at very seriously with the oath that I took in January 1st of 2023. But on that anger, what do I do for the citizens and constituents of Burnley County that I serve? The scariest part about all of this is this all stems from COVID because we, the people, allowed these fuckheads to do whatever the fuck they wanted. And they had absolute power. They had edicts and emergency orders and told you you couldn't go to a park by yourself and arrested people paddleboarding all by themselves and just crazy shit. And we didn't step back and go, no, our constitution doesn't allow you to do that. That is not how it fucking works. It's our fault. We allowed it. And I want to end on that 2A, not with threats of violence and all the shit the left says whenever somebody talks about this. That guy got five years. He was charged for 10. The case just finished September 8th. He ran over a kid because he feared him because he was in a conservative. That was the actual defense. And he got five years for mowing over a kid. Concealed carry is more important as a conservative than it's ever been. I don't care what anybody tells you. I'm not fear-mongering. The left, after George Floyd, believes that violence is an option. And the courts uphold it. You have guys going to jail for 20 years for not even going in the Capitol. You got people who murdered people getting five, 10 max. Most charges for hitting officers, hurting 600 officers, killing 36 of them. All those charges dropped by Biden DOJ because they were wrapped up in the moment. The moment. It is violence and rioting is the voice of the uh, minorities, they said. But you had no, I got wrapped up in the moment and I walked into a fucking building and I got three years for it. I didn't do violence, didn't hit anybody, 
Some people walked in for 45 seconds. They still got jail time. So, I mean, come on. So each podcast, this is the election season. I'm going to do this. This is our weekly jerk-off session. We're going to start with uh, CBS. Biden has accomplished so many important things. What? Mara Gay, who says flags make her scared and are racist, with Morning Joe refusing to believe the bad Biden poll, NBC Chuck Todd, you know, Trump's just muddy in the water with that shit about fucking um, Hunter. Did I even get that picture? I don't think I got that picture. Hold one. Before I play this soundbite, I really want to show this picture, and I think I overwrote the damn thing, didn't I? What a fucking dipshit. I did. Okay, so we're going to backtrack. No, I have it coming up. Here it is. Before I play this, that's economy, economy. Oversight. Playing the video and putting into evidence, Biden publicly boasting about his central role in having Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shoka fired. By his own admission, Joe Biden said he made the removal of Prosecutor General Shokin, the man leading the investigation into Burisma, Hunter Crash Cash Cow, a condition for Ukraine to receive a critical $1 billion. Comer is requesting Secretary of State Anthony Blinken to provide information on the vice president's sudden shift on Ukraine policy that just so happens to coincide with Hunter's bidder's interest. Now, that is right out there in the open. That was right in the open. The New York Times have even made it. House Republican point finds no evidence. Republican inquiry finds no evidence. Republican inquiry into Hunter Biden Ukraine funds. The Hunter Biden case. Well, isn't that interesting hmm our next soundbite PBS can't believe Biden pretty extraordinary accomplishments are ignored they're all in for the win and the last one I can't even remember what the fuck it was about oh it was Chuck Todd with the uh, yeah muddying waters with facts I am a Republican, the media jerk-off of the week. So hot. He reveals as complicated and defined by a life of politics and ambition including to be seen as an historic progressive president like Franklin Roosevelt. When President Biden links himself to FDR, do you find it credible? Well, FDR was a president who served four terms, who presided over a world war, and who shaped the American state in decisive ways that we still live with. And I think Biden has accomplished many important things. But I think that his reputation will be so much more weighty than I think the public attributes it now. Four, a staff writer at The Atlantic, writes in-depth about President Biden confronting crisis from the start, beginning with the pandemic. We're in a national emergency. 
and it's time we treat it like one. It almost gives you a chill when you go back and you watch President Biden's inaugural speech and you see so many people wearing face coverings. Yes. What we don't remember about the earliest days of the Biden presidency. As James Carver would say, a lot of Democratic bedwetting right now over a CNN poll that has he and Donald Trump tied at 46 percent. Uh, your thoughts on uh, the talk that continues to go around, uh, not only about the president, uh, but also the state of democracy and the risks that that democracy uh, faces over the next 18 months. Well, it's the most fragile form of government. Um, if it were easy, everybody would do it. Uh, we wouldn't be the longest functioning uh, one, uh, ringing in at almost 250 years, but uh, we haven't gotten there, gotten there yet. And it's fragile because it's human. It's up to us. It's about our appetites. It's about our uh, polarization. And so I think this is a moral question. I think this is about how we are with each other. I don't, I don't believe these polls, honestly. Um, I think the, the basically the, the model is, is pretty uh, hard to figure out. I don't know if, if you get called up, uh, if you're gonna tell the truth to somebody. Uh, I think there's a lot of trolling on the Republican side, but it's always gonna be right. hugely close. And that's why it's up to every yeah. one of us to do it. Historian well, and, John and you know, Maura is ta talking about the skepticism, Maura, really quickly. I'm so sorry, Mika. Talking about the skepticism really quickly of polling. Um, <laughs> I said that to, uh, to uh, a reporter a couple of days ago. I, was like, I, I just, you know what? Just, I don't want to hear the polls. I don't want to hear them because we heard that Joe Biden was going to win in a landslide in 2020. He didn't. We heard that Republicans were going to win in a massive red wave in 2022, even when we didn't feel it. But we heard it, and everybody told us, and everybody talked about it, and then it didn't happen. I just, again, I, 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 I just, again, I really do wonder, Maura, what voter in suburban Atlanta that didn't vote for Donald Trump in 2020 is going to say, well, you know what? I didn't vote for him in 2020, but now after January the 6th and after he stole nuclear secrets and after he tried to get his own people to destroy uh, his, his tapes and after everybody that's testified against him in all these cases are people that he hired himself. And after he said he was gonna terminate the constitution, yeah, yeah, I think my friends in Alpharetta and I, we're gonna go knock on doors for Donald Trump. I don't see it happening. Yeah, <clears throat> I actually, I totally agree. I think we like to think of polls as uh, as though they're biblical in some way um, or they're perfectly scientific. It's really more of an art in many ways. It's just a snapshot in time of people you happen to catch on a certain day um, who may or may not honestly tell you what they're feeling is. And then you have to put it into the context of, you know, there is a choice and there will be a choice between two individuals. Um, and on that day, the question is always, which voters are the most motivated to show up? How many of them are there? And of course, campaigning matters. Getting out the vote matters. And all of this is to say that there are probably many Americans who may not be feeling that excited or enthusiastic about voting for President Biden. But on the day of, 
I think many of them will show up anyway because they certainly don't want the alternative in Donald Trump. I think we've seen that consistently in those polls. And so this is about turnout as much as it is about uh, polls that are up and down on a specific candidate. So I, I think it's it's early and it's you don't want to take polls uh, just. I think that um, if you look at what Biden has accomplished or what the administration has accomplished, it's pretty extraordinary. And people just aren't aware of it. I mean, the, I will, we know what they are, the Infrastructure Act, all this thing that, that Trump never got done. You know, it got, Biden got it done all over the country. In the next 10 years, there will be huge billions of dollars spent on roads and bridges and, you know, in local communities. People probably won't know that's the Biden administration. Right. You know, pouring all that money into um, COVID relief. So, you know, it just, um, and now, so, um, it's a problem people don't understand it. Right. Seems an indictment is coming. We don't know what the contents mm -hmm. will be. What is the political fallout for President Biden as he faces re-election? Well, I, you know, it's interesting. It, I, President Biden's biggest problem is not Hunter Biden. It continues to be his age. All things Hunter Biden actually matter more to Donald Trump in many ways than they do to Joe Biden. And I think this is very, uh, ends up being very helpful to Donald Trump. Whenever, the more there is questions about ethics surrounding the Biden name or the Biden brand focusing on Hunter Biden, it, it basically, this has been what Trump's goal has been, is to sort of muddy the waters here, create this, um, hey, everybody uh, is dirty here in Washington. Um, they claim they're clean. They're not telling you that. And so as much as I know that there's concerns this impacts, this impacts Joe Biden, and I think he has not handled this very well publicly, um, this matters more to, to, to Donald Trump's ability to continue to essentially make the case that he still can beat Biden, and the more muddy he is. It's just not on all our cable networks trying to do it. Um, it's Krugman. Over the past couple of days, I've had several conversations with smart people who follow the news and had no idea that inflation is way down. Presumably, it hasn't broken through all the way to the wider public, meaning it's not going up as quickly as it was, but it's still increasing. Inflation was 3% higher in July of 2023 than it was in 2022, and it was 9% higher in 2022 than it was in 2021. That What cost $1 in 2021 cost $1.13. Do you think that's good? Another reply. Come on, Paul. You know good and well that's all that's dropped is the rate of inflation increased, which means in inflation is still increasing. David Axelrod, his push. I think I fucked up. There it is. Little discussed, but Republicans have very every political impetus to keep migrant buses rolling into Chicago into next summer when the Democrats convene there and that's so bad that's bad now really hmm you guys would do it our media is so bad how bad is it well it's actually this bad they had the balls let's put it here Time Magazine, Mary Poppins of censorship and time list of 100 influential people. A lady who is cuckoo for fucking Cocoa Puffs. 
And then, uh, let's see. Well, that's a send-off. This, this is a good study right here. What I want you to do is, and I know i got a lot of sound bites today, but there's just so much shit going on. I want you to listen to these sound bites. They're back-to-back. You're going to start with uh, PBS, Washington Week on PBS, all right? And then you're going to hear Katie Porter speak. One's a politician One's a reporter. I challenge you to find any difference in what they're saying. By, from David Brooks just this week. <clears throat> Quote, Bidenomics is working big time. President Biden promised to help America outcompete authoritarian China and to heal some of the economic divides at home. Both those goals are being achieved. Right. Uh, so what's what, what? Why can't this White House uh, that get is, that message That is out? a very good question. There was a uh, that was an excellent column by David Brooks this morning. There was also one by Paul Krugman making the point that the economy is doing pretty well. There so far there hasn't been the recession everybody was predicting, and people actually say in polls, which Krugman cites, that uh, they're doing really well. It's just that the economy is terrible. You know, so this makes no sense. But it seems to me that the, uh, you know. It's just odd, uh, and I think Biden is out there talking every day about the economy, but um, it, it just doesn't seem to be sinking in at this point. President Biden has done a terrific job on the economy, and I think this is a matter of just people wanting to, to sort of dream up what they could imagine um, for different kinds of candidates at this point. But the truth is Joe Biden has a terrific story to tell on the economy. It's pretty hard to tell the difference, isn't it? I mean, granted, we're, we're in a time when people go right from the White House to CNN. So, I mean, it, it's confusing who's the politician and who's not. And then last but not least, we're going to go into a military corner here for a second. I want to cover some stuff. There's a new campaign coming up. I want to play a couple of the spots um, in reference to it. It's for suicide. Um, but I wanted to play one of my soapbox um, these sound bites just pissed me off. Earlier in the show, we played that uh, conservatives are garbage humans and uh, Christians are the reason that you can't get a good burger at Burger King. I mean, every fucking thing that goes wrong in society, it comes back on Christians. But somehow, uh, in this cycle with the media, Pelosi and Biden are the greatest fucking Catholics ever, even though they're for live birth fucking abortion. So this is, once again, our tax dollars, PBS, pro-abortion Biden's Catholicism, central to how he views the world. They're ramping this back up. This is, if you think back 2020, this was always, you know, they were just rolling this every fucking week. That's all you heard was Biden, Biden, Catholic, good Catholic, Catholic, Catholic. So, that's my soapbox for today. I'm going to go straight into Military Corner. You'll see two um, sound bites. And I am a total fucking moron because I literally forgot to <laughs> keep the pages up for it. So let's go down here to where I yank this up. Mm-hmm. Um, Ad Council 
And it, it seems to be a veterans crisis um, prevention, and they're running it through the ad cycle about vets. And it's a very interesting um, it's, it's a very interesting take on it because it's, you know, do you talk to your friends? Do you talk to this? Um, you know, help your friends. But did you help yourself? And invariably, all of us are, no. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm no better. Um, I literally had a mental health for yesterday and I canceled it because I was feeling better and just being told I had an illness made me feel better mentally, but I should have gone. Um, it's been a rough 19 months and to say that I haven't thought about ending it, I, I can't say that I haven't. Um, because I did. I mean, I, I've thought about it there's just no way to, when I, you know, when I was super sick, I did think about it, but I couldn't find a way to do it where the wife would still get the um, insurance. You know, you can't kill yourself. You can't kill yourself and fucking get insurance. It's not something that happens. So um, that's, that's what stopped me not actually wanting to live, which is probably bad. So I probably should see somebody. But um, it, it's just important. And if you're reading this slide right now, 125K official. 125K. So um, that is that's so many people we'll we'll talk about it on the other side so soapbox and some military ads a ton of reporting in this book about the president's domestic uh, legislative achievements i want to talk though about abortion because joe biden's catholic faith according to his friends and staffers is central to how he views the world is that what accounted for what his critics saw as his sort of flat-footed response to the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. As a devoted Catholic, he's got, uh, he's got a complicated set of feelings about abortion. But I also think that Biden came from this other era where the terms of the abortion fight were different. I don't think he fully appreciated initially the radicalism of Dobbs and the ways in which it would be radically implemented straight away. And so it took that case of a 10-year-old girl who, from Ohio who went to uh, Indiana to uh, have to have an abortion and the way in which the law fell down on her. And for Biden, that became a morality tale that forced, that snapped everything into place for him. He could suddenly see the radicalism of the Dobbs decision and whatever flat-footedness, whatever qualms he had at the outset melted away. And I think he eventually came to not just appreciate what Dobbs would mean for women, but I think he also came to appreciate the political benefit for the Democratic Party with the Dobbs decision and the way in which it took maybe a demotivated Democratic base and uh, rallied them to the polls.
Put a frog in a pot of boiling water and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in a pot of cool water and slowly heat it up and that frog will boil. As veterans, we can tell ourselves the lie that it's easier to stay in that boiling water, to disconnect. But you've never been interested in easy. You are not a frog. I was a technical sergeant, E6. I served in... Uh... Vietnam in 1969. I am a U.S. Army veteran. Have you ever helped a fellow veteran? Of course. Yes. Try to always be there for each other. I do my best reaching out to my brothers and sisters in arms. Have you ever asked for help yourself? Uh, it's always tough, right? Um, <laughs> um, I can't say that I have. I mean... If you don't have someone to kind of help you guide those thoughts, it can... Be really bad. Eventually, you know, you just can't deal with it on your own. I guess it's a part of the military too, right? Service before self. It was drilled in service before self. And you start to question, maybe people would be better off without me, you know? When you realize that, that you're not alone, once you take that first step, there's so much support. So, going off the statistics that we're going to say roughly we have 380 million people in America. I'm sure it's way more because he's let, like, how many in? I mean, Jesus, we're probably at 400 million just of the illegals. They, they estimate 20 illegal, 20 million. That was before Biden. So God knows what it is now. So 1.7 million people served in the war on terror for 20 years. And 125K of them, or 7% of the four and a half tenths of a percent have committed suicide. That's fucking insane. That, that is just, it's fucking insane and nobody talks about it. It's like it just didn't happen. So I hope this works. And it's surprising it's taken 21 years since September 11, 22 years for this to be a national campaign I mean 6,500 in 2020 so we don't even know about 2021 2022 there, it's just insane 20 consecutive years 6,000 second leading cause of deaths in vets under age 45 that's it's insane just insane. So, gonna go on to our woke, and you know, I don't know how many in my lifetime or in the lifetime of this podcast, how many of these fucking videos have I played of some adult trans person losing it because people won't speak their pronouns that they probably don't know, which it just shows how bad this mental illness is. It's it's got people fucked up. Turn it up. Turn it Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. I feel like I had to learn the concept of chosen families 
really young and it wasn't anything to do with my queerness but just based on the fact that I didn't have the love at home that I needed and I knew that I was valuable and deserved it so I found it on my own early on and you know I shouldn't be blamed for that because like real like blood is still exists you were never there for me and I found my own love and that's okay and I think everybody should be allowed to do that and that's what I fucking teach in the classroom okay I always say give it to your friend not your mom because fuck your mom and I don't know I just am so sad <laughs> I am so sad and I hate my sister she's a fucking cunt that's all I have to say that's my major problem with school I really don't do anything unless I actually want to do it. And most of the time, I don't want to do anything at all. God. It's just so bad. Because it's being pushed. Teen Vogue harps on transgenderism for back-to-school tips. That doesn't need to happen. Facebook censoring somebody because they talk about what? Well... In this, their bio, they're saying things you don't want. Former trans kids started T in blockers at 13, double mastectomy at 50, detransed at 16. So it's violence. It's under the violence. Our guidelines on violence, our recommended guidelines help to promote content that fosters a safe community on Instagram. All accompanying text of imagery that encourages violence includes hashtags. Where? Here is... Violence. This is Billboard Chris, which we've showed on the show. This radiation therapist at Looney Children's Hospital in Chicago tells me that kids will kill themselves if we don't turn them into lifelong medical patients, and she beat him with a cane. And then there's Jen Pisaki. Different subject. Same concept. There is an American poll. NBC keeps rolling these out because they're still trying to get one that fits what they want the narrative to be. And they can't find one because unequivocally, 70% of Americans say, no, we don't want that. Well, 70% of Americans believe that babies are actually babies. Bad guys. But Jen Psaki thinks they're broccoli. Listen to this analogy. For decades, Republicans have made one thing abundantly clear. They are the pro-life party. I intend to push for these pro-life measures just as hard as I know how. My position has not changed. I am uh, pro-life. Pro, uh, pro I'm also, uh, have been, continue to be pro-life. I'm pro-life. I'm a pro-life candidate. And I've been a pro-life governor. I'm proud to be pro-life, and I'm not going to be, be apologizing okay. for people for becoming pro-life. Proudly pro-life. Unapologetically pro-life. 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 As you know, I'm pro-life. Right? I think you know that. You heard them. It, it could not be more clear where they stand on this issue. And if you need one more data point, let me just read from the Republican platform in both 2012 and 2016. Quote, abortion endangers the health and well-being of women, and we stand firmly against it. For years, many Republicans ran on the platform of overturning a woman's right to choose. But then something happened. They caught the car. Roe v. Wade was overturned, effectively ending all federal protections on abortions. So the GOP finally got what they wanted. But it turns out Americans, including a majority of independents, did not like it. 
An NBC News poll from June shows that 61 percent of all voters disapproved of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe. And this issue didn't just register in polls, it actually swayed elections. Just last month in Ruby Red, Ohio, voters sided with defenders of abortion rights. In Wisconsin earlier this year, a winning candidate's pro-choice message helped her flip the balance of the state Supreme Court. In the Republican stronghold of Kansas, doesn't get much more Republican stronghold than that, voters chose to protect abortion rights in their state. And of course, in the 2022 midterm elections, the Republican Party vastly underperformed expectations. There was no red wave, largely because of their opposition to reproductive rights. Now, facing another uh, major election, the GOP is in a bit of a pickle, and they know it. They're even meeting behind closed doors to discuss it. According to new reporting from NBC, Republican strategists are exploring a shift away from pro-life messaging on abortion after consistent Election Day losses for the GOP when reproductive rights were on the ballot. The reporting details a closed-door meeting this past week where Senate Republicans were presented with poll results that showed the term pro-life no longer resonated with voters. No kidding. Senator Josh Hawley actually said this with a straight face. Many voters think pro-life means you're for no exceptions in favor of abortion ever. The little memo to Mr. Hawley. In Missouri, which is the state you represent, abortion law makes no exceptions for rape or incest. No exceptions for rape or incest. But they don't seem to be wrapped up in these pesky little details of the actual impact of the policy because they are seeking a rebrand. Pro-life now becomes, in the words of Indiana Senator Todd Young, pro-baby. Pro-baby. Okay. I hate to break it to you, but if you call broccoli candy, it's still just broccoli. If you tie a really nice bow around a lump of coal, it is still coal under there. The branding isn't the problem here. The policy is the problem. And no matter what they call it, the truth is the Republican platform has long been pro-life. But for the sake of argument, because there should always be a bridge back to good policymaking, in Washington, D.C. especially, if they want it to be pro-baby, Maybe they should stop opposing new childcare and parental leave programs or food stamps for low-income women and young children. I could go on. It is hard to roll out an effective rebrand for a product that customers hate. That's a big old marketing tool piece of advice for you. And if I were them, I also wouldn't want to run in a platform of anti-rights, anti-choice, anti-women either. Now, I play that in total because her cocky, snide bullshit when your entire platform is anti-choice and the media is like her pushing consistently we must kill babies and everybody's for killing babies of course you're going to rebrand you cocksuckers have called it global cooling global warming climate change climate crisis what was it undone it's coming undone some fucking shit I, I can't even I don't even know anymore California is going to have the first U.S. state to recognize transgender history month we already have one it's May mental health awareness month that's what somebody's reply so they're going to say August from now on will be transgender month and then there's tranny month then there's month month there's just so many months Virginia mom sues pro-transgender teacher for pushing her child into prostitution that's just one of them there are so many but I want to play this it's kind of long sorry but this is a mom 
This is uh, Virginia again. Um, Mom's school that allegedly hid her daughter's gender identity led to her trafficking and sexual abuse. And in all these stories, I do believe it's the same person. So I'm trying to link it up, and I got them for four different sources. So here it goes. I am Sage's mother, better known as Nana. I adopted Sage after my son died when she was still a baby. She's been through six foster homes by then, but we loved her, and she blossomed into a joyful, lively girl who made music and art. Pu puberty began and COVID hit, and she was treated for depression and anxiety, at times very severe. Her teachers shared any concerns with me so her treatment could be adapted. The transparency ended in August of 2021 when Sage started high school. She started a public high school and she told me that all the girls there were bi, trans, lesbian, emo, and she wanted to wear boys clothes and be emo. Because I saw it as just a phase, it was fine with me. But at school, she told them something different. She was now a boy named Brooke Draco with male pronouns. Sage asked the school not to tell me, and they did not tell me, even though I informed them of her mental health history and medication. If I had known, this would be a much different story. She was terribly bullied. No one told me, but boys followed her, touched her, threatened violence and rape. Something happened in the boys' bathroom, but for two days, the school told me nothing. They kept meeting with Sage alone, and she became so distraught they called me to pick her up. That evening, I found a hall pass labeled Draco, and Sage told me she was identifying as a boy and that her counselor said she could use the boys' bathroom. She'd been jacked up against the wall by a group of boys. She was crying, terrified. I said, just stay home. We'll figure it out. That was my last conversation with Sage for five months. The night she ran, she thought to a young friend she'd met online, she left a note saying she was scared of what would happen if she stayed. The sheriff, FBI, search dogs were called in. I dropped to my knees in prayer. Nine days later, the FBI found her in Baltimore. My baby had been lured online, sex trafficked by DC, then Maryland. She was locked in a room, drugged, gang raped and brutalized by countless men. It was night. The FBI told us to pick her up in Maryland the next morning. We packed our cars with blankets and stuffed animals and, and arrived by 8 a.m. But we were told we couldn't see her and were summoned before Judge Robert Kershaw late that afternoon. They didn't even tell Sage that we came for her. We finally entered the courtroom and Sage appears on a huge Zoom screen from a prison cell. She looks tiny and broken and I cry out, I love you, Sage. Sage responds, I love you too, Nana. But attorney Anissa Khan rebukes us. She is a he, and his name is Draco, not Sage. We were floored. What? Khan accuses, of, accuses us of emotional and physical abuse, that we are misgendering her, even though we just learned she claims to be trans and we're willing to use any name and pronouns to bring her home. My husband was so tearful, he kept forgetting the new pronouns, so the judge had the bailiff remove him from the courtroom. I was pleading for my child to be returned and treated for her unspeakable trauma. 
Judge Kershaw told me if I used the word trauma again, he would throw me out too. For over two months, he withheld custody. He housed Sage in, the male, in a male quarters of a children's home. Sage told me she was the only girl and repeatedly assaulted. She was given street drugs by the other kids and Khan told her she didn't care. She just wanted to win the case and all the way to Supreme Court if necessary. Khan tried to prove abuse, but we were eventually cleared by both states of all charges. Sage later told me Khan had told her to lie, that we hit her. Khan even had Sage's school counselors testify against us, though they barely knew Sage, and they didn't know us at all. Khan told my precious child I didn't want her anymore. I found out Sage never received any of the letters I sent her. Sage ran from the children's home and disappeared for months. They told me she might already be gone forever, but I couldn't give up, and I finally found a tip on her social media that led the marshals to her in Texas. She had been drugged, raped, beaten, and exploited. This time, I was able to be with her for the traumatic rape exam and to bring her home. Back in Virginia, she entered the mental health facility that Judge Kershaw had ordered, as it would affirm her as a male. The therapist began pressuring her to have her healthy breasts removed. Sage was too scared to protest, but she asked me to secretly buy her girl's clothes because she wanted to be a girl, but keep them in the car. It took a kind lawyer, Josh Hetzler, to secure her discharge. After almost a year, Sage was finally home, safe, alive. Sage is receiving professional trauma care. The first trafficker has already been convicted. Sage has nightmares, panic attacks, rape-related medical issues, but there's hope. I told her she's not broken, she's just scarred. And part of that hope is that in courageously sharing her story, others will be saved. Sage said she doesn't know who she was back then. She wasn't a boy. She just wanted to have friends. But her school, the judge, the attorney, and the doctor were all blinded by their ideology. The How many of those have we put up here where it's the entire system, the judge, is an apartheid cultist. The school is a cultist. The social workers, cultist. I mean, this is the kind of shit when I was a kid they went off about for Christians pushing their dichotomy on kids. Now you have whole justice system, everything just going crazy. Let's see if I can. I guess I can't. No. I was only hoping this was going to work when I bought this. <laughs> it doesn't work. My batteries are dying, so I'm ha I got batteries on the charger for my mouse when I'm having fucking issues. But what we have this you know, it's the media's latest thing about this uh, violence and so violent and violent and violent. It's so fucking violent. And I, I'm going to move this up a slide. So let's get past this to. No, is that it? No, no. I guess I never took it. Okay, that's cool. Here is uh, 
The mayor of Burbank with kids pre- 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 present getting paddled. I am Eloise. I am six. Hey! Okay, that's a blow-up of that guy, which, um, I don't know. Actually, there weren't any children at this private 21 and plus event, but of course, lying is totally a brand on you. So why does the advertisement say 15 and above? Gross advertising, there were no children at the event. That's how he defined it. This is Chaya Rachek. Shares tweet from Burbank Mayor. It made it all look worse. Let's go to what he said. I think I just read it, didn't I? Uh, yay. Cigarettes make pedophile, pedophilia is cool again. Watching kitty porn and Steve Holt and IO's dick box. Breaking news. Taylor Swift's statutory rape charges dropped on grounds of too cute. Judge says they're both named Taylor. How adorable. Direct quote from a 17-year-old girl on the L.A. Metro bus. It's guys like you that make me buy. She wasn't talking to me. Yeah. One positive, University of Washington stopped using it because now they're finding out that maybe uh, Americans don't want their kids to all be turned to trans. You know, maybe. It could be me. I don't know. I, I, it's just so funny. Every slip up by a right, especially when they break their religion. Media's its front page. Here's Wapo going after who was this? Uh, Gillian Brockle, <clears throat> Illinois. He like many flag enthusiasts, adores Chicago banner Chester, Maryland, where he is now intern deputy thing. He loves it, but it goes back. So California, the bear, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Maryland, Arkansas, and Georgia all have Confederate ward iconography in it. Even on September 11th, the communists pushed forward. Yeah, that's true. In September 11th, somber day of remembrance in America. On such a day, the Washington Post believes this is newsworthy of being out in print. No matter how much people hate you and your organization, it's not nearly enough. And people remind her that the California flag predates the Civil War. But, you know. Toronto Star. It's not a parent's right to know your kid's gender identity. And they break it down. They believe this. Canada is anti-family and they do not protect children. Power is tearing human minds to pieces and putting them together again in a new shape of your own. George Orwell. This is the playbook. These are all tweet replies. We're not doing that. It may be happening, but it's rare. It's happening and it's okay. Of course it's happening. And you should agree. If you don't agree, you're a bigot. And that pretty much is the fucking tweet of the day. Just the tweet of the day. And I know we played a six-minute video, but that's the girl the mother was talking about. Raped, sex trafficked, 
forced away from her parents, put in a boy's shelter, raped. She'll be in therapy her entire fucking life. All because lefties want voters. They, they need voters. Because not everybody's into their shit. Before we go to This America, a couple things. Th- this was surprising. This is an article about Jimmy Fallon. Chaos, comedy, and crying rooms inside Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show. 16 current and former staffers say Fallon's erratic behavior spoiled their dream of working on The Tonight Show. I wouldn't have seen that. Axios has the dumbest thing of the day. This is a real thing. Ice is appearing everywhere from ice drinks to ice sculptures all at once. While this ice trend is mostly about harmless fun, the growing prevalence of drought and water insecurity point to a future where ice will be at an even greater premium. Elaborate sculptures, coffee purveyors, Sonoma. At the bottom, Strong showing a new food product, like those came to young, grown fast food. Where it stands, designer ice has become the height of domestic luxury, per the New York Times. The bottom line, while fussy ice trend is mostly about harmless fun, the growing prevalence of drought and water insecurity point to a future where ice won't be around. The replies... Ordering unchilled cocktails about to be the new virtue signal. The left despises everything that's a good time. The new trend of putting ice in beverage. Another, you thought this needed to be published. New, abolish ice. The climate cult really does want all of us as miserable as they are. The problem is... They're not miserable because they don't follow any of this shit. Do you think these fuckers actually have their house at 78? I'm cold all the time. My house is at 72. 71. That's when we put it on. 71. At night at 72. Back in the day, it was 68. Other stuff that just cracks me up. What happened to it? Did I lose it? What the fuck happened? Ah. Did I lose this? I think I lost this. I did. Ah. That's all right. We'll, we'll fix it. If you go back to 2016, there was one thing that was bigger than everything else. And that was Me Too. Me Too was everywhere. That's just kind of weird. My slides are kind of fucked up. So I'm going to delete them and start again. And in the center of that was a lot of fucking shitty people that ended up being anti-Semites from the Women's March. And this, because they're no longer relevant because me too went away because you can't me too if there's no gender if it includes trans women it's not feminism feminism is about giving men the right to pretend to be women 
take their accomplishments and invade their spaces. It's pretty obvious the person who runs this account for Women's March is a dude in a dress. Did you realize yet trans women are not females, so feminine really doesn't apply to them? Dictionary. Oxford language. Traitor. <laughs> and my favorite reply of all the fucking replies on this. I mean, it's just hard to believe that we're here. We're here. It puts the lotion in the basket. I mean, I remember that dude freaked me the fuck out. They even went after Martin Short saying he was a bad guy. It didn't go anywhere. Okay. Then we have the Chicago Teachers Union, Stacy Davis. Oh, sorry, Stacy Davis Gates, because she's got a hyphen name and she's a douchebag, confirmed that she now sends her son to private school. Now, these are the people that spend all their time saying you're not supposed to have people or you're not supposed to have your kids in private schools. But they have their kids in private schools because they know the school system is fucking broke. So they don't want their kids there. Why would they want their kids there? So we're going to go to a This Is America hit really quick. Nope, nope, nope. Let's do something fun. We're going to do uh, Lighter Fair. So going to have the Ducks the Packers and what happened last night to Aaron Rodgers. Damn, I don't like the dude, but that's fucking horrible. Here's Jones, Aaron Jones slicing through, diving across the 25, and a good strong run. Everybody else, as you said, KB, is pretty much a first or a second year player around Jordan Love. Yeah, here is Jones looking to dance to the outside. Can he get there, Jones? Racing towards the mark, a good pursuit by the Bears. They think they're going to make a night and day difference for this Bears defense that, as you said, is looking to improve from last year. Jones got the first down, gets it again. Good cut up the middle, Aaron Jones speedy through the hole. Third and two, Jones gets a great block, Aaron Jones fighting his way down to the five, but it's good for a first and goal. Didn't work out then, we'll see if he goes for a little later in the game as they were gonna hand it off and try and get that run game going. We go downstairs to Aaron. Here's Aaron Jones again. Gets a block and a seam and another nice run. So trying to get Aaron Jones going, as EA said, another gain of eight there. That's a good way to do it. We've seen Aaron Jones touch the ball three times already in this third quarter. Here's a fake. Low. Sets up, now goes back door to Jones. He's got some blockers here. Jones gets a block. First down. Turns on the speed. Aaron Jones down the sideline. Inside the 10. Floor has at his disposal with a player like Aaron. Aaron Jones is just a token fake. It looks like it's going to be boot. And look at the offensive lineman set up on the screen right down the outside edge of the numbers. They call it the train tracks. Just run right down the outside edge of those tracks and turned into a track meet. And that's the dynamic, explosive nature that Aaron Jones brings to this offense. 
Love to Aaron Jones. He walks in for the touchdown. Watch the job he does distorting the defense. That down block right there just creates all the space Aaron Jones needs. Four-man rush. Love has Jones in stride. Aaron Jones racing to the end zone, and he's in! Touchdown, Green Bay! One on one. You just mentioned the big signings. T.J. Edwards at linebacker. And this is just a simple little option route. T.J. Edwards is outside. He's just going to break in. And that is a one-man route. And this has been a one-man show. Long-time Kansas State coach Bill Snyder. That's good knowledge. There's a deep throw by Nick. Got a man. Lost it in perfectly. It's caught. Streaking down the middle of the field. And in for a touchdown on the bomb to Troy Franklin. On third down and seven. Chuck is under pressure and pulled down for a sack. Threw for almost 3,600 last year. And he's going to throw here after the Texas Tech timeout. Third and goal. And it's caught by Johnson. And Johnson stretches for the end zone and scores. Tim told everyone last week after the Wyoming game the loss was on him. He's under pressure again. Oh, and the ball is punched out on the pressure. Chuck going back after it. Still hasn't recovered it. And Oregon has jumped on it. Blocked by York. At the Oregon 41, Chuck with all kinds of time, and he throws it to Oregon, an interception, Kyrie Jackson. Big defensive line for Texas Tech, along with Hutchings and Bradford, Quincy Lynette Jr. Here's Nix, has room to run, first down and a lot more for Bo Nix, and he slides at the 44. And a game against Fresno, and this is an RPO attempt here by Nix, and Nix is able to fight off tackles and lunge over the 40-yard line for a first down. Oregon looking to answer after the big third quarter for Texas Tech. Running play and second efforts. And Irving is in. It's a touchdown. Chuck looking for something to open up. And it is a stop on fourth down. He's driven backwards by Brandon Dorless. Two passes. Play number 10, it will be a sack. Play action off that boundary toss, now is the time. Look, here it is. We're looking for his 30th completion. There it is, it's Herbert in the open field. And then Herbert bumped out of bounds. 34-yard attempt for the lead. And Oregon in front, 31-30. 70 seconds left in the game. Hanging on to the timeout in the hurry up. 47 seconds left. Second down. Pressure. And it's intercepted. It is intercepted by Jeffrey Bossa. And he's going to return it for a pick six. Pressure by Dorless. And the interception return by Jeffrey Bossa. It has their safeties on the goal line. From the 33. Down by eight. Deep drop by Shuck, throws it into the West Texas night, and it's juggled, and it's intercepted to hit the game, Brian Addison. Oregon wins it, 38-30.
Protection breaks down and time runs out. Down goes Rodgers in the sack for Leonard Floyd. New this year and after spending three years with the Rams, the former first round pick of the Bears and now Rodgers. I tell you what, that's pretty sad for Rodgers. It's a it's an Achilles tendon. He's going to miss the whole year. And, and, you know, as a Packer fan, yeah, I didn't want him to go there and be awesome, like better than he was last year for us. But I didn't want to see that. And for draft purposes, it fucks us. That fucks us so bad it's not even funly. F funly, which I don't know what that means. Um, we literally will now get a second round because there was a clause in there that said that he had to play 65% of the snaps. So he clearly can't do that now. So to our This Is America, it ties into the beginning of the show with uh, Biden. He actually on September 11th did a political speech. And he had the gall to say the following. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. The rising tide of hatred and extremism and political violence. It's more important than ever that we come together around the principle of American democracy, regardless of our political backgrounds. We must not succumb to the poisonous politics of difference and division. We must never allow ourselves... The politics of division. Let's look at how he took office. Same as Hillary. Deplorables. Deplorables, 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 deplorables. What is he doing now? Deplorables, deplorables, deplorables. They have pitted every group against each other, including groups within the left, from feminists to uh, trans. He has done nothing but division. He was billed by the media and himself to be a unity candidate. from his inauguration through three or four speeches in the first year, Bull Connor, your Bull Connor, if you think Atlanta's new voting laws, which actually let more people vote than less, um, aren't racist. And on September 11th, You have the gall to do that? Really? Of course, nobody's going to call it out. I mean, why would they? It's his team. It's his people. This is this is where we're at in this in this world now. We are we are stuck with a president that has a media that will defend him regardless of everything that he makes up because he just makes things up. He lies. He embellishes. Uh, 
he's broken more laws than the previous president, but that president has literally, what, 70 fucking charges on him. They're trying to put him in jail because they don't want to run against him because they know their guy is incapable of winning because Democrats don't want him. It's hard to believe sometimes um, this is this is where we're at. It's just it's just it's just fucking hard to believe this this is where we're at. We we have really shitty choices. Um, and both the candidates that we're stuck with now are pieces of shit. We have a totally mentally incapable president that lies, but we have a media that supports it. So we, we don't fact check. We don't come back and go, why is he not going to ground zero? Why is he the first president to not go to ground zero? His entire party moved on. The moment September 11th came, they gave it, what, a month? And then they went into, well, it's Bush's fault this happened. And they used it for politics. We were maybe unified for a week, two weeks. The party that built the case that Iraq had WMDs. They built that case. The party that just handed the country back to the people we fought to get the country. And on September 11th, per every fucking thing that's American they find a way to shit on it they find a way to belittle it they find a way to politicize it and uh, you know it's uncool so that wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast share this with your family and friends go to SoundCloud, Flower Politic with a K, Rumble, 482467, and podcast at gmail.com. Went a day early because I have a doctor's appointment, so let's go with a Saturday 16, Saturday 16, September, year of our Lord, 20. 23 for our next one. Until then, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. And as always, thank you for listening and take care. Every death is a tragedy, y'all. Seven lives.